Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Good to be here. Yeah. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. For the opportunity we have to study together father we uh, we stand in awe of you mm -hmm. of being a mag magnificent powerful awesome god and yet a god who uh who sees us uh in a way that that uh, that we don't deserve father we know that uh, that you look at us uh through the blood of your son we know that you you see us father with the with a, a mindset of a father to to children and we thank you for that father we know what we are we know that that we're that we're broken and we're flawed, and we're thankful for the word that we have that we can study it, and we can see the process of you getting to that place where you can see us through the blood of your son. Father, this is only a small snippet of what of that what that is, but we're going to study some of that this this evening, and we thank you for the opportunity. Bless us, Father, as we study it, and help us as, as we strive to have the courage to apply what we learn to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Leviticus 26, uh, leaving behind um, Leviticus 25 and the year of Jubilee. At some point, we'll be leaving behind Leviticus. Well, we're actually, we're in the last couple of chapters. I yeah. had no idea we're going to be in so. this long, <laughs> You know, but you mean there's all this stuff in Leviticus? There's so much stuff there, though. They really, <laughs> but this is what did we say about Leviticus. This is the place where Bible students go to die. This is the this is the place where Bible year long Bible reading plans go to Bible die. reading plan goes to yeah. die. Yeah, yeah, if you're reading the Bible in a year, you you kind of struggle through the last few chapters of Exodus because it's a lot of this. Yeah, and then, and then you then, jump into Leviticus, and you know whatever yeah. whatever survived Exodus gets a bullet in it. So <laughs> yeah, puts uh, a final nail in the coffin. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So we're, but we're almost through it and then we're being numbers. Yeah. And then if you, if you somehow manage to limp through Leviticus, don't worry. The first 10 chapters of numbers will put you down hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and we will get to Joshua at some point and it, and it, and it sure. gets, it gets really popping after that. So it, it does for a while. And yeah. then, and then you get into wisdom literature, which we've already done. We've already done a class on Ecclesiastes. Yes, we so you're welcome to go check that out. We have. It was, it was quite a divisive divisive class. It, it was. We did not see eye to eye. We did not. We didn't. We did not. On a, on a variety of scriptures, <laughs> variety we did of... not see eye to eye. You were wrong and I was right. Let's just leave it at that. All right. All right. <laughs> well, well, you know, I'm going to enjoy it, brother, because one day I'm going to get to to salute you, you know, conventional wisdom being what it is, I get to salute you, I get to, get to send you off in style and you'll get up there to the father and they're going to go, sorry. <laughs> you were wrong. As, as a guy, it's going to be like, Solomon, that was me. Solomon's going to come to me and say, you're wrong, man. 
<laughs> we were watching going, yeah, boy, I don't know what he's they, they don't know what they're talking about. All right. So we're in 26. And so we're leaving behind uh, the year of Jubilee. We're leaving behind that issue of slavery. And if, and if you, you didn't catch that last episode, I really want to encourage you to go watch it. And if you have any comments or questions on it, please reach out. Love, love to sit down and talk about it. I know there are a lot of difficult things in that. And, and it's, hey, it's a growing thing. We all need to need to learn. So um, moving into 26, and it's really a continuation, right? So 25 ends with, you know, even if someone is not redeemed in any of these ways, uh, they and their children are to be released in the year of Jubilee. For the Israelites belong to me as servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So really the end of the year of Jubilee, God's at the end of the discussion of the year of Jubilee, God says, look, if there are Israelites in captive or indentured or enslaved in any way, they're to be released. I don't care what the situation is. They're to be released because this is a year of resetting. This is a year of Jubilee. This is a year of celebration. And at the end of the day, these are my people. Mm -hmm. So they are not to be, not to remain yeah. in bondage. Yeah. So in verse 20, in chapter 26, he goes on, do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves and do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord, your God. And so these are, these are almost, he's just ra restating a lot of these principles of law. Remember, we're talking about on this side of Leviticus, how to remain holy. Mm -hmm. So part of remaining holy is, you know, observing these Sabbaths, yeah, the, keeping the covenant, Jubilee. The covenant has been reestablished. That's right. And, and God has been specific about, I'm holy. You need to be holy. So you need to be aware of what it's going to take to be holy. That's right. And so here he's telling you, don't do this stuff. Well, these, this. these are obligations, mm -hmm. right? God says, I am the Lord that makes you holy, right? It's my covenant and my work that makes yeah. you holy. And your response to my work in the covenant, your obligation under this covenant in this contract is to then pursue holiness. And this is what that looks like. Yeah. So if you follow my decrees, observe my Sabbaths is verse two, observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees, and are careful to obey my commands. I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Well, that sounds pretty good. I, 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 I've underlined all the places where God said, I will. If you do this, I will. Mm. I will do this. I will do this. I'll do it. And I and I came up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like eight in just that section. I will do this. If you do this, I'll do this. You know, and it's a uh it's it's pretty powerful to recognize that even though these folks are sinners, even though these folks are going to not keep this covenant. We we looked at that last week, right? They're not gonna do this. They're not gonna they're not God's going to even give them laws they can't do. 
That's right. So even though that, you know, that God is going to still look at them with favor because they are his people. Same way he looks at the church. Same way he looks at his family. The church is the household of God is what, what Peter, Paul says to Timothy. That's right. You know, it is the household of God. So even the, the church, it is, it is comprised of redeemed dead men. Mm. And God still sees it. And because, and, and you know, First John tells us that if we walk in the light, fellowship with other people, God cleanseth all of our sin. That's well, right. that means that's an ongoing process that God's continually cleansing us. And God says, hey, you know, he's going to take this people. You and I know what happens in the next few chapters, next few things. They're not going to obey this. Right. They're going to do any of this. Right. They're, they're not going to do any. And God is going to constantly be in a forgiveness mode with them. That is a, that is an awesome thing to think that's the kind of God I have. Well, we're going to get past Joshua. We'll get into Judges and we'll get to see this curse of, of blessings and cursings or this, rather this curse, this part of the covenant, this mm -hmm. covenant of blessings and cursings. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to get to see that in in real mode. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things. You know, you're you're hitting on what you're talking about mm -hmm. is the truth that this what this means, the truth of this for his people in the church today. Yeah. Right. And you're absolutely right. Like, look at what God wants to do. Well, look at the direction you, God verse, wants to go. Verse three said, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. That's right. That's where it all hinges. And from there on, he says, I'll do this. I'll do this. He said, I will send you rain in the season. Verse six, I will send, I will grant peace in the land. Verse eight, I mean, verse nine, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful, increase all hinges on whether you're going to be, whether you're going to be faithful to me, whether you're going to, where you're going to follow my decrees and are careful to keep obeying my commands. It was all about obedience, following his law, following God, following that pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, following it to, to wherever it was going to take you and being obedient to everything he said. That's right. And they couldn't even do it while, while in the first 40 days, 50 days when he was up on the mountain. Couldn't do it. Couldn't, couldn't do it. it. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. You know, and 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 he knows they're not going to do it. I mean, he told us last last week we looked at it. He told us they're not going to do it. And here he's, he's going to tell them they're not going to do it here. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's going to tell them in, just, in the next from verse fourteen, the next section. But but here he said, if you'll do this, think about it. I'll send you rain the season. I was just talking to John L the other day, and uh, and we when we saw him, I saw him Wednesday, and I said, well, hey man, I said it's going to it's supposed to rain. Uh, Thursday, maybe Friday, it's supposed to rain. He said, man, I sure need some rain. He said, you know, he said, I put out a big round bale because he's got a farm and got cattle. And he's, he said, I put out a round bale. And, you know, when you start putting out a round bale this time of year, you need some rain. It needs to rain. And we've only had three inches of rain. or I think he's had four since the beginning of the year, which is uh, is almost three months. You know, that you need that every month. And, uh, and so I haven't talked to him today, see how it's doing because it's raining today. We're recording on Friday. You'll see this next Wednesday, but we're this the morning. It's it's raining cold, and uh, I hope it's raining for him. But here he says, he says, if you do what I tell you, I'll send I'll send around. I'll take care of all that. I'll make sure that's that's taken care of. And then he says, and I'll grab grab peace in the land. You know where they're going. He's already told them. That's right. He said, this is why you got to do this because because where you're going to go, the people you're going to meet, that's right, are going to be despicable individuals, and you're going to want to adopt the practices they do. That's exactly what they're going to do. Well, and he he calls them to drive them out of the land. Yeah. Right? So in, in, in Genesis, rather, in Genesis 15, when God makes the covenant with Abraham, promising him the land, 
God says, you know, this all happened 400 years down the road, or this is going to happen in, in yeah. you know, your children's children's generation, mm-hmm. because the sins of the Amorites are not yet complete. So it's not like God's not working with them, trying to bring them along. But what we start to see is this principle of, hey, if you're going to reject God and you're going to live in sin, there's going to come a point where God judges you. Yeah. And the Israelites are going to be God's instrument of judgment. And that works in our people. society today. If you keep doing what you're doing, there will come a point when God's going to judge us. He put Jesus on the cross. That's what the gospel's about. That, that, that a righteous, just, merciful God could deal with the unjust and be a justifier of them. So God's God's hope is that people repent, right? Mm-hmm. He is patient with you, yeah. not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But it would seem to me, um, based on it out of, coming out of the gospel, places like Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and Mark 13, um, you know, that section is talking about the, the impending judgment on Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And Christ looks at them and says, and such days are going to come on all. Right. So, and because such days are going to come on all days of judgment are going to come on all the earth. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's going to experience yeah. this because that is the case. You need to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You need to be living the way you're supposed to be living. Right. You need yeah. to be following the commands and all of those things well, need to be following. And here he says in verse nine, he said, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful, and increase your number and I will keep my covenant. OK, he said, if you do that, but if you don't, all bets are off. Yeah, well, and we're going to look at that. Yeah, in this but, next but section. what I'm saying, he said, you do this, and he said, you don't have to worry about me. Yeah, you know, and the book of Hebrews is very clear. It says, uh, you know, God swears an oath, and He makes a promise. Those are two binding things on God that He cannot go back on. He won't. He yeah. won't go back on. It's against so His nature. If He so. promises and makes an oath, He said, I swear an oath. I swear by this that I'm going to do this. He's going to do it, and He said, I'll keep my covenant. So, you know, if, you know, it's a lot of things we, you know, well, you know, if you, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And, you know, in, in a lot of places in society, that don't really mean much. You know, people can't, can't trust your word that you're really not going to do what you said you're going to do. And, and we bring that over to God and said, well, no, not really, not so much. But yeah, God said, I'll keep my covenant. I'll keep my part of it. if You do your part. Right. But if not, all bets are off. All bets are off. And, and he said, and he, I like it when he said, I'll grant peace in the land in, in verse six. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to run off the wild animals. And when you go to battle, he didn't say you're not going to have battles. He said, but, and, and he said, he said, you will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. You know, that, well, we see that, that played out when, when he goes and finds Gideon. Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. He tells him, Gideon, Gideon, when, when he calls Gideon, Gideon says, what are you talking to me for? He said, I'm the least in my whole clan. My whole clan, everybody's better than I am. What he's saying, I'm the runt. I'm yeah. the runt of the litter. I'm the runt of the runts. Yeah. yeah. There is the, there, the runts all make fun of me. Right. Yeah. You know? And he said, what do you call me? Well, he ends up with 300 guys. To go go up against the Philistine army. Well, he doesn't. He does. God whittles it down to 300. Yeah. He ends he start, up. He ends up with like 10,000. He, he starts with 30. And he ends up with 300, you know, and, and they don't have any weapons. They have nothing. They got what, a, a pitcher and a, and a torch and a horn? That's all they got. They chase them all out. And, cha- and they all run and kill each other. You know, they, you know he, but that's what God is saying. If you'll keep my commands, right. if you'll do what I tell you, come to me and do what I tell you. And, and I think, and he said, I, in verse 12, he says, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. And this is really the goal of God. 
So yeah. th- this is throughout Absolutely. all of the scriptures. This is what God wants more than anything else. This is this is a pr- this is Edenic promise. This is looking back at Eden, and this is God saying, "This is my purpose. This is what I want. This is my goal. This is what I'm working towards. I want to be your God, and you. I want you to be my people, well, and I want to be among you." When Jesus leaves, mm-hmm. he says to his apostles and to those standing there, he says, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel." That's right. Right. The good news of the salvation coming from God. And he said, and you make disciples of them. You teach them. You baptize them. And what's the last thing he says? The bla- And I will be with you even to the end of the age. That's right. That means I'm not going anywhere. I may be gone, but I'm not gone. Right. And, and we go, what? Because he sent the Spirit, so he's not gone. That's right. God is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's all God, and He's there with us. He's with us today. And He said, "You know, and you know, and what what I understand is how we do some of the things we do, and He don't He don't run ah like that screaming in the night, man, you know, away from us. But He doesn't because because He loves us through the blood of His Son. Well, and this is this is what's so important about adopting a a biblical view of God, mm-hmm. right? What is the biblical view of God, and how does He walk with His people, right? Um, and the answer to that is it's it's the best picture that I can give is it's a father with a teaching a 18 month old how to walk. Yeah. And the 18 month old is unsteady on his feet and grabbing onto his dad's finger like no tomorrow. But at some point that 18 month old gets super confident and decides I can do this on my own and lets go of that finger and tries to walk. And what happens? Go fall. Fall right out. Now, what father looks at that kid, gets upset and angry, and punts that kid across the street? No, no. Our father is so much better than that. Yeah. Our father comes over and says, hey, it's okay. Grab my hand. We are that 18-month-old kid. And instead of looking at that father in Thanksgiving and, and wonder and amazement and grabbing back onto his hand and keep on walking, we look at that father expecting the kick oftentimes. And that's unfortunate because our father is helping us learn how to walk. This is, this is what Eden is. Eden is the choice of Eden that even Adam made was God saying, look, don't take wisdom for yourself. I've already set you up to rule. I've already made you like me. Just walk with me. And Adam and Eve going, "Uh, now we're good. We can do this. And God's like, well, you can't. This is that same thing. God's saying, hey, walk with me. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to do all these things. I think and we don't glor- want to do what it. What glorifies God is, is that, yeah, I'm going to fall. I'm going to make my mistakes. I'm going to fall down and God's going to raise me back up. And do I keep getting back up? You know, I've had people tell me, said, that, you know, I've been too bad. I, you know, I, I, you know, I've been, I've been, been, haven't been faithful for years and years and years. I've been too bad. What? But God, you know, the, I always go back to the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. You know, and I used it again last Wednesday night. I said, I said, uh, when that kid was was laying in that pig pen, longing to eat what the pigs were eating, mm-hmm. he said, I know what I'll do. I'll go home. And I'll ask the father to make me a hard hand. That's the lowest guy on the room. He, go, he comes every day and maybe doesn't come tomorrow. He's not a, even a servant. He's not a slave. Nothing. He's just a hard hand. He's I'll make. Um, that's not what happens. So, the father runs to meet him. You know, and here the father's saying, 
I will, I will seek you out. I will find you. I will take care of you. I'll make sure you're right. Only, only prerequisite is that you follow my decrees and my command, obey my commands. Well, you, you, but to do that, you have to believe God. Absolutely. You have to believe this last statement. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Mm -hmm. And this is what I want. You have to believe Mm -hmm. that. It starts here. Obedience, right? Obedience and living the way Mm -hmm. that God wants us to live. And we're not talking about, for them, it was these stipulations and these rules. Mm -hmm. It was very explicitly stated, this is what that looks like and this is what that means. So he's, he's looking at them, but to do that, I mean, consider doing the year of Jubilee. Consider doing, you know, every Sabbath year, every seventh year where you're not gonna plant, you're gonna leave your, you have to believe that God actually wants to be your God and wants to take care of you and, and wants to do those and things. And we have to recognize that this salvation thing isn't about me at all. It isn't about anything I've done. I yep. can't do enough. I can't do anything to gain salvation. That's right. Only thing God requires me to be obedient to him, do what he tells me to do. God's going to instill salvation in me because of his grace and mercy, not because of my doing this, this, or this. That's not where, where it's at. Yeah. We've, we've, many people today still have that. I'm going to, well, check that box. Got that one, got that one, got that one, you know? And that's not, it's never, never been about that. No. You know, Even in this We've covenant. said it was. Even in this covenant, it's not about that. No, no. Even in this covenant, no. They're not expect. They are not expected to be perfect. No. They are expected to trust God, and they're expected to love Him. I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus looks at it in the first century, and He says, "This is the foundation of the, the law: love God with everything you've got, and love your neighbor as yourself." Mm-hmm. This was the foundation. This was always the foundation. Yep. This was always the expectation. Yep. But they didn't trust God. They didn't believe Him, mm-hmm. and they certainly didn't love one another. No, they didn't. And they certainly didn't love their neighbors. I mean, it's it's over and over and over again we see that. But this is this is a wonderful picture of what God wants to do. And now and then the next part is that then I, I underline a bunch of I wills again. And yeah. these are completely different. Well, and we have to remember, what does it look like? That picture I gave of God, what does it look like when we fall down? What does it look like when we reject who God says he is? What does it look like when we don't believe him? And what does it look like when we go on our own? And that's what this next picture is going to look like. But before we get there, we need to make something really clear because what we've been doing is we've been launching out of this text Mm -hmm. and talking about what this text means for us today. Mm -hmm. So what this text does not mean for us today, this is not a verbatim promise to the church. No, no. This is not God looking at the church saying, hey, if you do these things, I'm going to give you material blessings. No, no. That's not what this communicates. No, no, no. We are not, as the church, we are not members or parties of this covenant. This covenant, I mean, think about it. Abraham is not a member or party of but this covenant. But you can make this say that if you're so inclined. Well, I mean, if you want to, so, and that's why I just pointed that thing about Abraham. What is What does the book of Galatians say? If we are, if we are children of faith, if we believe God and we're children of faith, then we're seeds of Abraham mm-hmm. and heirs, heirs according, according to the promise, promise right? Mm-hmm. So in other words, all of the promises that God made Abraham apply to us. Mm-hmm. That's true. This is not a promise to Abraham. No, it's not. No. Abraham is not part of this covenant. No. Abraham has nothing to do Abraham's with this covenant. covenant. Abraham's covenant was, was a covenant between him and his family and God. This is a specific covenant to a specific people. And we can go back and look at Exodus 19 if we need to, to remind us who's party to this covenant. Yeah. Moses and the people of Israelites of that generation, right? And their children. Yeah. Up until God completes this covenant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's their covenant. This covenant, this law of Moses was nailed to the cross with Jesus. That's exactly right. 
So no one is party to this covenant anymore. That's why Paul and Peter and the apostles were having so much trouble in the first century trying to trying to help the Gentiles come to that because the Jews were trying yeah. to bind that on them. They were, right. So Paul's going to look at, at members of the church in the first century, mm -hmm. and he's going to say, if you want to be party to this covenant, if you want to follow this law, if you're going to get your righteousness from this thing, then it only comes if you obey it perfectly. Everything. And uh, you, you got to obey, obey every little bit of it. Every bit of it. Hey, there's sacrificial stuff you've got to do. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that you've got to do. And they don't do it today. And the Hebrew writer is going to point out that the blood of bulls and goats was Can't never sufficient to take away never, sin. Never. And then chapter 11 in Hebrews says that they could only be made perfect together with us. Well, and then we can go to Leviticus 16 and we can see how true that is. Yeah. We can see that the only person allowed to enter into the presence of God was the high priest. Yeah. And that was once a year. And he had to go in. And even when he went in with all of the blood of the animals that he just sacrificed to cleanse him and cleanse the nation and do all these things, he walks into the, the presence of God and he's still got to hide himself behind the smoke. Yeah. He's got to have the censor. <laughs> Don't look at me, God, or you're yeah. going to blow me away. Yeah. Why? Because I'm still covered Evil. in sin. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So the Hebrew writer looks at that in Leviticus and says, but their whole the doctrine, blood and bulls and goats is never sufficient. There. There's whole doctrines out there today that take this text and other texts, they couple them with other texts and says, see, God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. Right. And a lot of times they do that by saying, see, look at Galatians. We are seeds of Abraham. We're heirs according to the promise. Okay, that's fine. But these promises weren't even made to Abraham. No. These promises were made to these people there. And understand why. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 15 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this was all done and written down for whose instruction? For the church's instruction yeah. so that we may know. Yeah. And what is it that we may know? Everything we've talked about before we started yeah. this, that, yeah. right? So everything we're talking about, everything written the, the nature of God, yeah. the nature of God, what his intentions are for his people, how we can trust in him. Yeah. These are the lessons the yeah. church ought to learn yeah. from this, yeah. right? And then, of course, the second part in verse 14, what happens when we decide to go our own way? Yeah. What happens when we don't yeah. trust God? What happens when we decide we're not going to live the way that he wants us to live? We're going to do our own thing? Well, he's going to tell us. Verse 14, but if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring on you sudden terror wasting diseases and fever that will destroy your sight and sap your strength. You will plant seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you and you will even you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. If after all this, you will not listen to me. So what's the point of all this calamity? Wake up. Yeah. You're not doing so this, this, gets restated at the end of Deuteronomy. So we're going to come back and revisit this stuff in Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. And then this gets confirmed as a covenant under Joshua mm -hmm. in the book of Joshua, right? Mm -hmm. And so Joshua makes that appeal at the end of the book of Joshua. You all need to decide today who you're going to follow. But as for me and my household, we're going to follow the Lord, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So that that is a restatement. That is the ending of a restatement of this covenant. Okay, and so we go into the book of Judges and the proposition is before the people. Are you going to follow and trust God and do what he says or are you not? Right. And the book of Judges answers that question. The people are faithless. Yeah. People are faithless. That's why I call the book the book of the faithful. Did you know that? The book of Judges. Mm -hmm. My nickname for it is the book of faith because God is faithful. 
Yeah. And he's God, faithful but, to this. This mm-hmm. is exactly what he does. God says, I'm going to wake you up. Yeah. I'm going to give you calamity after calamity yeah. after calamity. Mm-hmm. You know what happens to an 18-month-old when they're trying to learn to walk and they take their hand from their father? Fall down. They fall down. I bet that fall hurts. Yeah. I bet that fall hurts. Yeah. That little 18-month-old, that's probably the worst pain they've ever experienced in their life. That fall hurts. That's what this is. God says, I'm going to I'm going to let you fall. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you reap the benefits of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Why? If after all this, you will not listen to me. He wants you to turn. He wants you to listen. He wants you to reach back out and grab that hand. Yeah. But Israel's not going to do that. I will punish you for your sins seven times over. I will break down your stubborn pride. That's interesting. It's, you know, I just noticed that. I will, punish you your, for, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. What does Jesus say when Peter comes to him and says, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times seven? Seven, no, 70. Right? Seven times is what is Peter says. Should I figure my brother seven times? And Jesus says, no, seven, 70 times seven. Yeah. That's interesting. I will break down your stubborn pride. So if after all this, you will not listen to me, how often is God going to forgive them? Think about the book of Judges for a second and that cycle. Every time they turn. Every time. Every time they turn. God every time forgives. they turn. That's the secret. They have to turn to him. Same way it's today. Same thing. He will come. He, if, you, if, you'll turn, if you'll turn and come to him. You know, he 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 will he will forgive again. That's who he is. That's who he is. Now this this covenant this this law is a way for him to deal with sin. Yeah, we don't have that same covenant. No, we have a different covenant. He deals with sin different with us. He deals with it through the blood of his son, not through the blood of an animal. Right. This was just to get us to his son. The Hebrew writer does tell us that there is discipline, though. Yeah, God absolutely. disciplines his children. Absolutely. That doesn't mean every every calamity or every trial that you undergo means you're being disciplined. That's not no. what that means. You know, we see in the New Testament that there's all sorts, there's all manner of reason, reason for suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be suffering, you may be going through trial and tribulation and hardship, and hardship because God wants to be glorified by your resounding faith. Mm-hmm. You may be going through it, according to the book of James, so that your faith may be purified. You may be going through it because you do sin, because you did have sin, and you are being disciplined. Yeah. Maybe that is what's going on. But there are a lot of explanations. The New Testament abounds with explanations for why Christians suffer, why they go through trial. What we need to hold on to is at the end of the day, whether it be discipline, like meaning to wake us up, whether it mean that God just wants our glory, or whether it means God is trying to grow our faith, either way, we can be assured that God uses the trial and uses the suffering. Yeah, absolutely. For his glory and I, his purpose. I just saw something here. Sure. It says, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. Mm-hmm. Then look at verse 21. I will multiply your affliction seven times over. And then look at 24. I myself will be hostile towards you and will afflict you for your for your sins seven times over. Yeah. It, 24, that, yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, God said, you know, this is what's going to happen. You decide not to be obedient to me. Yeah. You're going to have me as an enemy. That's, that's what he's saying. That's and right. I'm going to, not only am I going to be your enemy. I will abhor you, but I am going to multiply the the consequences and the sin in your life. And then he says in verse uh, uh, 28, then in my anger, I will be hostile toward you and I myself will punish you for your sins. Seven, he said, I'm going to increase your sin, increase the punish, and then I'm going to punish you seven times over. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't it be easier just to be obedient? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't seem, doesn't seem, you know. And he, th- he says in verse in ver- in the middle of verse thirty, he said, "I'll destroy your high places, cut your incense altars." And he said, "I will abhor you. I will turn your cities into ruin. I'm going to lay waste to you." And that's exactly what he does. Look at verse twenty six. 
When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will be able to bake your bread in one oven, and they will dole the bread out bread by weight. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. <laughs> and he's telling them everything that we're going to see happen all through here, isn't he? I mean, this is what's going to happen. Well, and look at how it ends, 32 and 33, right? I myself will, will lay waste to the land so that your enemies who live there will be appalled. And that's that happened when Assyria, yes. when Assyria took the, the Israelites, mm -hmm. when they took over the northern kingdom of Israel, uh -huh. and uh, they repopulated it with their own people, which mm -hmm. was what the Assyrian Empire did. Uh, the, it, the land became so hostile that the people couldn't even live there. And so the Assyrians were like, oh, we, we must have ticked off a local god or something. <laughs> Bring one of them priests back yeah, so yeah. they can appease the spirit, the, yeah. the god that's there, so these people can live there. They couldn't and, grow nothing? Well, that was the uh, that, that was who the Sumerians, Sumerians became. Uh -huh. The Sumerians were those people. Yeah. Samaritans, so, yeah. Yeah, the Samaritans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. but look at what he says in 33. I will scatter you among the nations. And will draw out my sword and pursue you, pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. Then the land will enjoy. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years. The, the land's going to get it. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, doesn't matter. Land's going to get it. Yeah. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate. And you are in my country, uh, are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest. It did not have during the Sabbaths. You lived in it. You know what's amazing to me is that... When you study the Old Testament and you read through, because this is the beginning, the introduction of the rest of the narrative, yeah. right? Because he says it here in Leviticus, right as we've had this big, amazing moment where we're back into the presence of God. He says it right here. And then it happens. Go read Joshua. Go read Judges. Go read Go read First and Second Chronicles. Yeah, and if first this Second Kings too, if, First and Second Samuel. First Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, First and Second. Go read the history of Israel and come back and realize God called the play yeah. long before it happened. Yeah. How did he do that? Well, if I'd have been reading this when when it came out, I said something's going to really bad's going to happen <laughs> down the road, man. I, I mean, I think I think if I'd been there, if I'd been a fly on the wall when this is going on, I'd look around and go, maybe we ought to just maybe maybe we ought to just believe him. Yeah. Maybe we ought to just trust just him and just and just do it's what he's telling to us to do. Cole. It's hard. Well, it's it's like you know the question hat comes all the time, you know, and and it comes up all the time. Wouldn't it be easier if God just set up on a mountaintop somewhere? Yeah, he did. And the answer is been there, done that. Yeah. Been and there, the answer is no. Didn't work. You know, Nancy Pelosi said it best: people are people, and they're going to do what they want to do. Yeah. And that's very true. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll pick it up. at the, the And then there's there's more here to this chapter. We're not done with this chapter. We're not we'll done. We'll pick it up next week. Right? I, was, I was optimistic. I was thinking, I didn't say it at the beginning, but I was thinking maybe we'll be done with Leviticus today. No, no, there's no way. No, <laughs> we won't even be through this chapter today. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for being the God you are. As we read this text, we realize that what you were doing is, is had a plan in place to get us to your son. We know that, Father, and all of this is evidence and all this is example to us so that we can learn that, that today, even as disciples, what we're supposed to be is we're supposed to be obedient to you. You've called us to obedience, Father, still today. You know, you tell us that, that to be your disciple, we must, we must honor you and glorify you. And we ask, Father, for your help, and we thank you for the wisdom, and we thank you for the things that happen in our lives that are growing us and making us better. Help us to see it for what it is and help us to never turn against you, Father. We may sin, and we will sin, but we trust you and we believe in you to take care of that and to keep us in a, in a relationship with you. And we thank you for being that kind of merciful and grace-giving God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.